Hello, and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. Okay, so does anybody need introduction to Sergey, or can we all just be really excited he's here? Does anybody not know who Sergey is? Sergey, come. Do a quick introduction. Sergey is first and foremost a dear brother of ours from all the way across the sea from Ukraine. Yeah, yeah you live here in our hearts. So he has come with us. He is championing so much work. I, on the internet, I called it humanitarian, but I didn't know how else to be like, like the hands and feet of Jesus taking care of the people in Ukraine who have been experiencing so much loss because of the war there. So please listen. We're excited to have you. Well, thank you for inviting me and thank you for being my home here in the United States. Thank you, Mark and Dawn, for, for taking good care of me. Uh, no. No. The war has destroyed my puppy. I'm doing everything now from telephone. Yeah, it's easier. Well, um, I have a couple of things I want to share quickly. I don't want to take too much time, but, but I just want to give you the, 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 the main thing. So now we have placed 170 homes for people who have lost homes. That's a lot of money. God, God has been collecting those money from all over the world, from United States, Slovakia, Hungary, uh, England, Ukraine, uh, Czech Republic, Germany, Faroe Islands. I would say that the kingdom of God is so rich that we don't even understand what what ha what a what an honor we have to be part of kingdom of God. I mean, for me now, when I'm traveling all over the world, talking to churches because because I can do it. I I know English and I have three children under 18 and I can leave Ukraine and I can come back to Ukraine easily. But men are not allowed to leave Ukraine. They are drawn to army. If, you, if, if the one reason why you can't leave Ukraine is only if you have three children under 18. So I have three children under 18. That's why I can travel and I can talk to churches. And I can tell you one thing. I have noticed that the kingdom of God is so strong. It's so strong. It's so powerful. It's so, it's, uh, it has a lot of money. It's one of the richest kingdom that I have seen on this earth. And it's us. It's us. We all are members of that kingdom. We are part of the kingdom. We have that identity. So, um, so we were invited as a kingdom to come and help people who have, who have ruined houses. And we have a lot of stories, guys. Our kingdom has touched and changed the life of, of people in Ukraine through the work that we do. I think that's the easiest evangelism I have ever done. To invite people to church you just place them a tiny home you listen to their story you pray for them and you tell them if you want us to take care of you please come to this church gathering that we have organized for you in your place so just for you to understand imagine that this road here that goes from your church down to town it's just all destroyed all houses destroyed and we come to that road we see we find people who are sleeping in rude sailors in barns you know, it's their territory, it's their life, it's their house, right? That used to be the house. And we would come and we would bring them those container homes and they start to cry, telling us all the stories and we would just tell them that we, Jesus loves you, we love you, we'll be with you, we're not gonna leave you here. And then suddenly on that road, you see about 25 homes. 
your homes to your Putin. Like your church have provided 10, right? So just imagine just your church have provided 10 of them. And then the rest was provided by some other individuals or, or some other churches. And then I told my guys, I said, you know what? We have all these people here. We should start a church for them. So we have started a church for them. And some of you on, on Thursday, yeah. On Thursday, you probably have seen my presentation. So we started a church for them. And we don't even invite them. Like we don't tell them, you know, like a Jehovah Witnesses, they just push you to go somewhere. But the thing is, we don't even push them. They, they already come because we are the only ones who actually want to help them. So they come to our church gathering. About 40 people are coming every Saturday. And you know what? It's so interesting. But usually you have gathering like this and probably five new people. And we have gathering of 40 people and only five are Christians. The rest, the, the, the 40 are the first time in the church. They, they have come just because they have seen our good works. And that's what Bible says in Matthew. You know, when, when you do good works, people see it and they praise God. So sometimes I have problems because all these grandmas, they start to tell me about God more than I tell them. And I should tell them, wait, I'm pastor, you listen, okay? <laughs> sometimes it happens, so I don't know who's preaching that. But you can experience Holy Spirit so much in that gathering. I want to show you the, the picture of the church that we want to build there. And I want to invite your church to come and stand with us in that. So since we are putting those container homes to those people, I want to do a container church. I want them to feel the same. I want them to know that Jesus is just the same as they are. He's not somewhere there. He's actually living in the same condition like you are. I have also a picture of Jesus being uh, like the, 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 the Orthodox Church. They have this drone on their wall with Jesus and they're all in, in sharp nose after the shelling. Yeah. And, and th that, that picture spoke to me so strong. Like Jesus, he knows what it is. He knows. You just can't kill Jesus. You know, you can still shoot in him, but he's not going to die. But the thing is like Jesus has also been in the same conditions on the picture. So he knows. And I want to build that container church. We have bought already first container. Can you show the picture of the second container? So we have bought the first container. It's already turned to, uh, to rooms and to two showers. If you can show a couple of pictures of that container. So it's a 10 meters long. So we want to build, like if you can imagine, I'll just count one, two, three. So it's even longer. So the, the container, one container is from here to here. Then we will have 10 meters uh, between two containers. So that would be like a meeting zone. And there will be another container. So that's like you've seen. And um, we want to at least, like right now, we want to put the first container church. And then we want to put another container church and another container church. Because we see how, how God is moving to save people. And now we're gathering in a small room. It's like this. But, <laughs> and it's, you can imagine 40 people in that can. We're like a canned fish. And we're singing, Jesus, don't touch me, Jesus. <laughs> and a good thing that, that um, all those grandmas that are coming, uh, maybe it's actually a healing for them that they are in this territory so that they can feel everyone's close to them so that they don't feel that, that they are alone. So that's a very really good thing. 
I think that God wants to use the church also to, to help them to go through trauma because every time we start to talk to these people and we say, Jesus loves you, we love you, they start to cry immediately. So it's, you see, you know, they say, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain. So they just cry. And they cry, 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 cry. We hug them, we love them, we, we pray for them, we talk to them. And um, yeah, so we want to do the first church. And I, and I really pray that God will raise up generous people who will stand with us. That, that building to build about $20,000 seems like a lot of money, but in some way, when you have placed 170 homes and you have seen money coming, it's like, why wouldn't I believe, Lord, about those $20,000? I should believe Him more. And we will also need to buy a piece of land. So when I come back from the street, we will buy a piece of land. Also, we are buying a tractor so that we will be able to clean the rubbish. And and uh, people are actually right now in the line, so they are asking us to help them to clean the rubbish. So we will help them to live, to uh, to clean that. And um, what I was saying, what I was thinking to say more. Um, can you show that cat in line I send you? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's how I see myself like a cat. But I think Jesus wants me to be a lion sometimes. And I think it's like what I'm in Ukraine. Like when I see grief and when I see pain, when I see destroyed houses, something in me stands like a lion. And I start to go forward not being afraid of anything. Just, just you know, I, I do afraid minds. I do afraid being killed. But I think I afraid Jesus more. And that helps me to, to go to the places that were pretty dangerous. And because I know that you guys are praying, so we, we felt a couple times when we saw missiles, when we saw mines and everything, I felt like Lord was like a wall. He wouldn't allow me to walk even that side or that side. He would just only let me go this side. And was signs, mines, 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 but we knew that we need to bring food to the people that are living on that side of the mine field. So we would be able to do that. So uh, I just wanted to show you a little example that helped me to deal with my problems. It's a uh, toy pyramid. Is that how you call it? Pyramid? Yeah, probably so. So I believe that the kingdom of God inside in us is like that. What's the word? A hub. Yeah. I don't know. Like I call it spine. Yeah, is it good too? So when when Bible says seek first the kingdom of God, it's actually to have that thing in you that will be able to hold stuff. And then everything else will be added to you. So I just, you know, when I was 14, I found that, that spine, it's, you know, relationship with Jesus and, and I started to grow. And uh, then Vika came in my life. So she was added. She was added to my life with children, with everything. And, uh, so she is in my life as addition to who I am with Jesus, but she's not Jesus. You know what I mean? She's not my spine. I don't live because of Vika. I don't, I don't see her my God. I don't see her as my savior. She is added to me with children. And I think it's very important because the Bible teaches about that as well. Then we have built a house, so it was also added to me. 
you know, it was added like like Bible promised that when you search kingdom of God first, then it's added. Then, you know, the health, something else, I don't know, finances, like relationship with people, whatever, church. It's also, at some point, the war has also added the grief. The grief is here too. It's also added. And I don't say that, that we would not, like, we have difficult times in our life. I don't know how you guys hear, but in Ukraine we do have those difficult times. Sometimes challenges, sometimes troubles, sometimes, I've heard this Ukrainian girl was saying that their bills came. You know, just the same, we also have bills. Oh, she's not Ukrainian, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. So she just said that, you know, that something happened. But it comes, if you have Jesus as a spine in you, then you are not afraid because Psalm 91 says, I am with you in your grief. Some, some translation says trouble, some translation says difficult times. It's like whatever that can be called. And then the next sentence says, I will redeem you. I will redeem you. And um, one thing that helps me to deal with my grief, because I've seen a lot of stuff that I wouldn't say, I just, I, I told some of this to Mark, and I think he also wanted to cry, but some of the things that I deal with is just because I have spine. I have spine. And that spine holds and protects me. You know, it holds and protects me. For example, if I would change my spine and put, instead of Jesus and kingdom of God, money as a spine. So wife comes, spends too much money, you are always complaining about that, why do you spend a lot of money? Then kids come and their education is too expensive and you complain about that. And then the work comes and all your money destroyed. And you actually can feel that your life is ended. But that's not how he said. He said, search first the kingdom of God, and then everything will be ended. Uh, added to you, not ended. But it actually ended too, but because the, the kingdom of God has everything in it. So you, Jesus is the beginning and the end. So he wants us to begin and end with him. So what I mean is like, it's so important to have that spine in us. And it really doesn't matter who you are. You're American, Ukrainian, uh, you know, gypsy or Jew or whatever. It's just really, it's not about your passport or your um, belonging or whatever. It's about that Jesus inside. It's about that thing inside. And uh, what I see also, one of the things, I remember when, just talking about physical things, I remember when we were meeting with Rick Joyner and he looked at me and Vika and he said, and he looked at me and he says, do you have a plan of restoration of your country? I mean, he just looked at me and he asked that question, and I'm like, are you, uh, whom are you talking to? I don't. I don't. I don't have it. But then he said one thing. He said, Sergei, when, um, um, when they had a hurricane, or I don't know how you call this, like the, the storm from, from the Atlantic, and it destroyed some of the, some of the cities uh, about three or four years ago, and, and he said that the, the local government asked different organizations if they have plan how to restore it. And he said there was only two organizations that have given a suggestion how they want to restore it. First was church, and second was casino. And, and he said, uh, we have, like Morningstar have said what we want to do, and then casino said what they want to do. And he said, he said one thing, 
Guess what casino wanted to be in the center? No, casino. Casino wants casino to be in the center. And he said, guess what we wanted to be in the center? Church. It's so funny, but I also believe that the kingdom of God inside in us is a spine, but it also needs to be a center of community. Of community. And when I'm thinking about the church in those villages, I think that we have a great chance as the body of Christ, as kingdom-minded people, to leave a legacy that will stay in people's memory, the church is in the center. You know what I mean? I really mean it. And I don't mean about building. I mean about how we help people, how we work with them, how we, how we bring them to Jesus. And I'm also thinking about, uh, we have a couple families, at least 10 families with children, and their house is destroyed. And I talked yesterday with, with Mike, I said, I wish we could find money to buy bricks so that we can restore their houses, the walls of their houses, so that children will remember in their memory that it is actually church that helped my parents to restore a house. Because that child probably will become politician at age 40. And probably there will be a persecution time and he will need to make a decision. And he will say, well, I know that the pressure comes from the from the system. But that house that my parents lived in and I was raised up, it was from the church. And he will do everything he can do just to squeeze that paper and throw it in a, in a bucket. You know what I mean? There is something, something in, in looking forward, not just today, but looking forward that Lord speaks to us, like just look generationally ahead. Look at the legacy that you are leaving behind. Look at the, because everything we do becomes legacy. Becomes something that will learn or stay with nation uh, or with people or with our children. And since you have a quite interesting name, World Harvest Outreach, there is something about world that you guys are carrying in your DNA as a church. I don't know what it is, but I'm sure it's, it's been revealed to you by Jesus in, in, a, in your uh, quiet time. He will show you. So a couple of things I want to ask you. First, please keep giving because we need to buy more homes. Our just Kiev area is 5,000 destroyed houses. 5,000. We have placed only 170. Together with other organizations, it's up to 100. But there's like 4,000 needs to be done. It's a lot of money, a lot of money. And also, please pray for, um, for us to be able to put those churches. I'm thinking about 100 churches, but I think I'm crazy. But I think if we will do at least three at the beginning, Lord will show how to do the fourth one, the fifth one, the sixth one, and he will keep going. Just the same as with the houses. When we placed first home, I was thinking, oh my God, it's a lot of money. And when we are standing today, it's 170. I'm like, oh my God, that's a lot of money. You know what I mean? It's like we, we need to believe more. We need, just need to have that faith because if God, if God opens the door, He opens the door and we need to enter that door. Amen. Thank you. I asked that earlier. Can you turn? Yeah, okay. So I think we ought to gather around this guy and pray for him.
because uh, he doesn't get prayed for a lot. He does a lot of praying, and he does a lot of uh, work in the nation that he's in. But I think it'd be really good if we as uh, a church family gather around him. Could we do that? Yeah. Let's get around him. And I'm going to specifically ask the kids to come. I don't know. I just really felt this in the last couple of minutes. I feel like the kids need to pray on the mic over Sergey. Jocelyn, would you be able to help with that? So kids, come on up here. I mean youth too, so like not just kid kids. Or adults that act like kids. We got any of those? Thank you, Lord. God, can you help um, Sergey um, find the money to help build the uh, four thousand, uh, the four thousand houses that he has to build? I pray that um, all the families will be happy for what they've done, and that um, the people who are starting the war realize that there's nothing they can do to stop Ukraine. Uh, I pray you can uh, show others that uh, Christ is through all this and can help them become Christians. Dear Jesus, I pray for Sergei and that he can raise more money and that he will even have more money that he than he needs. Thank you. I love it. I pray that um Sergey and his team will be able to build more churches so they can open more people's eyes and they can see how they can help solve um the problems that the war has caused. Um, I pray that the light of the Lord will go over and help Ukraine from Russia. Um, kiddos, can you guys take a minute and just ask Jesus to show you how much he loves Sergei? All of us. How many of you feel something? What's it feel like? Strong. If you feel that in you, can you go put your hands on him? Put your hands on him. That's how, like, it's like a spring that's coming up from inside of you. It comes all the way up out your hands right into Sergei.
Um, dear Lord, I pray that all the love that Sergei has in him, that he can like deliver it to all these families that need it and can show them that they are not alone and that they can also help too. I pray that um, their nation wins the war. Thank you, Jesus. I really do feel like this is a prophetic picture. The kids around you, Sergey. I think the generations to come in Ukraine are going to talk about what you and your team have done. Families are going to be able to say, that we had a home when we didn't have a home because of the work of Jesus in this man and his family and in his friends. Kids are going to be better. Kids are going to have hope. Kids are going to be able to talk about who Jesus is because of what you're doing. I think the generations are going to tell of the good works of God through you. So God, thank you for Sergei. We ask that you comfort him and his team. And we ask, Lord God, as we lay our hands on him, we're laying our hands on the nation. Like this is the nation of Ukraine. We say yes. We say yes. We say we are with you. We are believing for a quick end to this war. And that restoration would happen deep and quickly and for generations, like this, this restoration that's going to happen in the next several years, Lord God, will cause Ukraine to be everything you had ever designed it to be. We speak life. We speak hope. We speak a joy unspeakable in and over your nation. Thank you for these children's prayers. Lord, multiply them in and through Sergei and his team. Give them courage. Give them endurance. Yeah, endurance. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, give them wisdom. Thank you, Lord. And we, we ask that you would, that, that love that you asked us to feel through Jocelyn, Lord God, may we treasure it. And every time it comes up on the inside of us, may we speak a prayer and a declaration over this nation. In Jesus' name. Um, just real quickly, I felt really deeply to speak over the, the actual land and the earth of Ukraine, um, that even though that it has been scarred um, and torn apart, I just, I feel this, um, this new breath in the land that when it is time to be able to plant, um, like actually plant, you know, like seeds of food and, and crops, I, 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 I feel the land is going to fight with you. Um, not only are you rebuilding structures and, and rebuilding homes and rebuilding hope, but the land is going to partner with you when it is time to actually harvest physical food to nourish you, Ukraine, um, that the land is going to come back twice as beautiful, it's going to come back twice as rich, that the soil is going to be perfect for, for planting and for harvesting, and that there will be a, a joy in the land that when you walk the the fields and, and the roads and the, the new roads of Ukraine and, and the trees, the trees will even be stronger 
and there will be no more scars on the land and that the Lord is restoring the, the ground and the soil and the minerals and may it, may it not be, um, may death not seep down into the land where uh, soil is no longer good. I just see, I see green and I can smell the rich fertile earth being able to, to produce fruit and, and food and um, may grass grow where it maybe didn't grow before even the war started. Um, mm. So, Father, I just, I pray, for, I pray for the earth, for the land, for the, the soil and the deep roots, Lord, that no more scars, no more scars, and may grass grow where it may have not grown before. Father, I'm just praying what I see in delight, Lord. I'm just asking that, well, I'm seeing ten guys helping him bear the load. Father, I'm just praying over those ten guys to help bear the load. And I'm asking that you multiply that. I'm asking that you multiply it from ten to a hundred. And that he will not bear this burden alone, that they will become a team and strong and be able to just multiply this so fast and that they will be able to build, rebuild this country so fast that they won't even know it hit them. Father, I'm just asking that the money just be multiplied. Never-ending supply of money come into the country, Lord. Never-ending supply of work. Never-ending supply of workers, Lord. I'm just asking that you will bring a team of knowledgeable people to the area to help and that you will be multiplied in Jesus' name. Amen. Kids, you can be dismissed to your class. I just wanted to spend a little bit of time talking. I wanted to have a, sorry, Sergey spend a little time talking with you. Uh, normally I would just take an offering right away when someone like that shared, and we have taken offerings in the past for Ukraine. Could you put that back up on the screen one more? Thank you. Um, 
So I've been praying all morning about like what, what's our part? Like at World Harvest, like what is our part to play? Um, and Sergey has asked if we would partner with him in setting one of those container churches. Could you put that picture up one more time? Do you have that close by? Picture of that container church with the two on each side, one on each side. Yeah. So uh, he was looking at ground this morning, and he thinks he has enough money in the current account of, of all the nations, including us, that have given to him, that he thinks he has enough to buy the ground. Uh, in, in total, to put one of those in a village where we have already set those small, tiny homes costs roughly 45000 That's the ground. That's the building. Those are the two containers, and then it is all of the, um, the building and construction in between. And he can gather up to 100 people in that space, plus have place. And this is really important. On the one side, there's showers and bathrooms there, because a lot of the houses, in fact, all of the houses that we have placed, none of them have indoor plumbing. And actually, a lot of the people in these villages didn't have indoor plumbing before. Like their houses were just houses, and then they had the outhouse. Anybody ever grow up with an outhouse in this room? Okay, we got a couple. Yeah. So they still use them. In fact, a couple of people were like, we don't even know what you're talking about. Why would you ever put a toilet inside a house? Like, they just think that's gross. So they think it's appropriate to go out to the outhouse. But this is really important to have showers and a place to clean up in the church. So I'm going to kind of, I, I think it'd be really good if we participated in setting this up. And here's the reason why. It's less about a church building for me, and it's more about when they see that building, like it is a sign of hope for them. Like there's something about it in me that's like, that's a place where I know we can go and there's hope. And then one of the kids prayed this, like as a result of them getting this hope, they're going to turn and be what they received for others in their village. So am I right that you do have, you think you have the money for the land or do we need to raise that too for you? We have some money. You have some. Yeah, we have some. We don't have yet everything, but I think I'm trying to Okay. Am I right on the 45 for everything? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. So would it be crazy to ask for that? here? I mean, just look around you. Like, there's a rich person sitting right next to you. Yeah, see, like, looking at mom, looking at dad, right? Like, there are rich people in this room, and I, we just talked about, like, how he is more than enough. Hello? The whole point of having him be more than enough is that we have everything we need, and then all of the overflow is for all of the other needs that are around us. Hello? Isn't that the point of that us being filled to overflowing? So, I mean, if you want to do it right now, you can bring it up right now. But I, the, going back to that thing, like, does your phone, could you actually do it from there? Could your phone actually take a picture of that? Yeah? So if you have a phone right now and you want to give right now or have it there for a future, you could scan that little code it's not this mark of the beast. It's actually like, <laughs> it's a QR code, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Like you can actually scan that and go right to our app for the giving and just mark your giving for Ukraine. I think we can raise 45000 So I'm going to put it out there to our family, to our city. I'm going to put it out to the city too. 
$45,000. We can do this. Okay, uh, Kendall asked if we could attach a time frame to it. Yeah. Okay. How about now? <laughs> Sergey goes back to Ukraine on 26th, seven days from now. How about in seven days we raise $45,000 for him to take back? What do you think? Look around the room, ask somebody, what do you think? What do you think? Jimmy, can we do this? Dan, can we do this? Dan, come on now. I believe, help me with my unbelief, right? Yeah? I think we can do it. I put that goal out to every one of you. In fact, let's just take a moment right now. Let's pause. This is not manipulation. I just want you to know this right now. This is us pausing before the God who provides. God, how can we help? How can I help? What's the number that I can give that will bring hope to a nation? So people can see Jesus for who he really is. All right, now some of you got a number and you're already arguing with yourself about that number. Hopefully you got a number. If you didn't get a number, well then just keep your head down. And if it only has like one or two digits to it, just keep your head down because that's just not enough. That's just not enough. Okay? I am telling you, this is good soil here. He, what Sergey and his team are doing, look, we've known these people for a really long time. They're not using it for anything else. Sergey's not taking a salary for what he's doing there. He's believing God for every penny for his own family. All the money that he gets, he is putting back into these houses, into these churches, okay? So if you want to give, that's the QR code. If you want to bring a check up here, just bring it up here, give it to me right now. Write it out to who and write in the memo Ukraine, okay? There we go. That's the way to do this. Thank you, Chris. You pioneer you. Thank you, bro. Put it right here. Okay? All right, I see it. I see you, Jason. I got you. Thank you. Put it right here by this ball of water. Thank you. You got it. You can do it. Meanwhile, uh, I want to just do I have 25 minutes? Can you give me 25 minutes? Okay, I want to go over. A uh, little bit what we talked about last week, five goals, okay? And I want, I need help. Can I, can I have pretty help? All right, Megan and Maddie. Okay, that's pretty help right there. Okay, there's a lot going on in the earth right now. We've talked about Ukraine. There's incredible revival happening in the earth all right now. It's incredible things that are going on. And None of that negates the fact that you are still sitting here, February 19th, 2023, and you can do incredible things this year, personally, that the kingdom of God could be advanced in and through you. Amen? I heard it said recently that people are giving more thought and attention to what they're going to eat tonight 
than they are to who they're going to be this year. More of us are thinking about what we're going to eat, what we're going to do today, instead of who we're going to become this year. Could you imagine if we gave ourselves the time and the attention to become who God created us to be and to set logical, practical goals that will get us there? So for the next 25 minutes, I, I don't care if I'm younger than you, would you pretend like your dad's talking to you for the next 25 minutes? Would that be okay? If you have to, don't look at me. Like picture a father-type figure in your life. And I just want to talk to you about goals, okay? Each goal, you're getting a paper here, and I'm just going to go over those. Can you put that? Uh, I think we have a screen version of this. Circle? Do, did, no? Yeah? It's in the PowerPoint for today. What you're getting on paper... All right, there it is. So this is a little bit of a better version of what I tried to draw last week from a pyramid standpoint. This is not a pyramid scheme, so we had to get rid of the pyramid. Okay? So we went to the circle. The circle in the middle, the hub, the center, is Jesus, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Okay? There's this verse that Paul says that Christ in us is the hope of glory. The glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the water covers the sea. Have you heard that before? It's a scripture from the Old Testament. The way the glory of the Lord covers the earth is it comes out of us. Okay? Us becoming or shedding everything that's not us to become everything that God originally intended for us. Okay? We're going to get practical today. These five areas that are on this paper are going to get us to there. I don't want you to fill this out today. Okay? I want you to go home and fill this out. We're going to use this. So on that outward rim, it says the wisdom is forever, wisdom is forward, wisdom is foundational. We talked about that in January. We're going to ask for the spirit of wisdom to give us specific goals. This is really important. Don't just come up with them on your own. Ask the Lord for wisdom. We talked all last week about once we see the Lord and we're in his light and we encounter him for who he is, that light begins to give light to our souls and we begin to make decisions that are really important. You can trust what you think and feel when you're in the presence of God. Hello? It is okay. And this is one of the reasons why I had you pause and ask the Lord for a number because you can trust him that if he gives you an idea in his presence, go with that idea. Like, just make the decision by faith. I was with the Lord intentionally, and I thought this thought. It wasn't just some weird, distracted thought. No, like, like seriously, when you have thoughts and you're intentionally spending time with the Lord, trust that thought. It's from Him. Okay? Just make a decision to trust some of these thoughts that you're having with the Lord. Okay. Uh, I didn't give you any verses today because there's only two, and they're really simple, and I'm just going to say them. So, Mary... I didn't give them to you on purpose today. Proverbs 16.9 says this. It says that the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. How many people have heard that verse before? Okay. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. In another place, a couple chapters later in Proverbs 19, it says this. Many plans are in man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. Okay. Really important. 
In both of those verses, it says that the man, or you and I, we make plans. Okay? And then the next part says, but the Lord directs his steps, or but the counsel of the Lord will stand. In both of those verses, this is something really important, the word but doesn't exist in the original language. The translators put that word in. And what that does, I want to tell you this. Listen to this without the word but. I don't think you ever have any idea how powerful the word but is. I mean this because we have canceled out so many incredible things in our lives because of but. The mind of man plans his way. The Lord directs his steps. Do you hear that differently? Many plans are in a man's heart. The counsel of the Lord will stand. I'll tell you what I hear. If you don't hear it, I'll just tell you what I hear. The mind of man plans his way. So guys, you get to make plans, and then the Lord helps you accomplish them. That's what I hear. Many plans are in the man's heart, and then the counsel of the Lord will stand. In other words, he is saying, when Kelly makes plans, I will make sure that she will have what she needs to accomplish that. If she needs wisdom, I'm here. That's what I hear in these verses. How many people have heard this verse, and it was even said last week, um, your thoughts are higher than, come on, are our thoughts, God's ways are, how many people have heard that? How many people think God thinks better than you when you hear that? That is not what that verse is saying. Because right before that verse, I, I don't want to pull it up on the screen because I'm, I'm really trying to focus my time here. Right before that verse, he's talking about wicked people. He's talking about people that have given themselves over to licentiousness and wickedness and thoughts that don't align themselves with God. He is actually saying those people's thoughts are not as high as his thoughts and those people's ways are not as high as... I, when I read the scriptures, I'll tell you what I see. I see that man was made just a little lower than God. The Bible actually says that in Psalm chapter 9. You actually can and should and do think the thoughts of God. I want to speak that over you because I think for too long the church has told you your thoughts suck, his thoughts are awesome. Yeah, I said that word on purpose because I wanted to grab your attention. Your thoughts don't. They actually are incredible, and they're powerful. Your ideas, your imagination, your thoughts have incredible potential. So much so that he wants you to make plans, and then he'll order those plans. Hello? I need you guys to hear this, because for so long we've heard the opposite. I'm going to make goals, but who, I mean, who really cares? He does. The haphazard, directionist life will get you nowhere. Okay? It's time to stop being haphazard about your life. It is time to be thoughtful and intentional about your life. Okay? So, here we go. Each goal, each one of these goals added together brings us into who he created us to be. Okay? This is so important. So let's talk about this. We're going to start with the spiritual goals. Don't forget, I'm getting real practical. Think of your dad talking to you, okay? So, 
I'm going to help you kind of guide you into how you make these goals. If you can take some notes, it would be really helpful, I think. I'm going to probably send these notes out so you can be helpful. So you want to create and maintain intentional time with your Heavenly Father. I don't know if you do this or not. I don't know if you actually take time in the middle, beginning, end, some important time, part of your day. But there needs to be intentional time where you just think with the Lord, where you meditate with Him, where you quiet yourself and you spend time with the Lord. Look, that is not a religious practice. I think it is an absolute necessity for every child of God to have intentional time spent with the Lord. Okay? I'm going to put that out to you as a spiritual dad that you need this in your life. You need to think. And I think the preference would be, honestly, is in the beginning of your day. Before you launch out, before you get to work, before you pull out your electronic device, you spend time with the Lord. Think some thoughts with him. Think about your day with him. Even strategize your day with him. Put the appointments you have with him. If, this is what the Bible says, if you can take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, take it farther than that. Take every belief and put it in front of him. I'm, I'm willing to bet that if you have intentional time with the Lord every day, you're going to have him confront you on some of the beliefs you currently have about him, about yourself, and about others. And you need it. You do. You need some of your beliefs confronted by the Lord. But the only way you do is by saying, Lord, this is what I believe. What do you think about this belief? Take every thought, belief, struggle, situation, relationship. Take them all captive and present them to him. Do this intentionally on a daily basis. Honor him by saying all of these things in my life, all of these people in my life, all of these uh, responsibilities in my life, as practical and as worldly as your job might be, or the things in your life. Maybe it's physical pain you have in your life, and it's caused you to come, come really down in your belief system. Maybe it's demoralized you. Maybe it's even caused you to question God, things that have taken place in your life. Bring them all in front of him. And say, Lord, would you talk to me about these things? They need your presence. They need your thoughtful input. Think about your spirit like you think about your body. If you can think about your spirit like a body of light, like think about it, because that's what it is, okay? Your body, remember a couple weeks ago or was it a month ago or whatever, we showed that video of when uh, a sperm inseminated an egg? and that flash of light takes place, like you are that ongoing flash of light right now. Your body is your body, but if we could see in the spirit, it would just be light in this room. You would look around and you would just be like, whoa, I gotta, I gotta get some sunglasses because you are that bright, okay? If you think of your spirit that way, like you're imagining it right now, I can tell. You're imagining your spirit right now as this body of light. What does light need? Feed your body light. Okay? So for me, like Jesus called himself the light of the world, and then he called us the light of the world. So if you ask me, if I want more light, I spend more time in the light. I spend more time in the light. Like, guys, I'm not trying to be overly simplistic here. Like, it actually... 
If you need nutrition for your body, you what? You eat. And hopefully you eat nutritional food, right? We're going to get to that in a minute. So your spirit needs light if you want light. If you constantly put your spirit in front of something that's not light, something else will grow and it'll diminish the light. Guys, it happens all the time. It's happening in your life right now when you put something in front of you that's not feeding your life light, okay? Here's something else. To ask yourself this question. How will the person I become this year bring this light to my home, my city, my nation, and the nations? How will the person I'm becoming bring light to my home, to the family around me, to the city I live in, like maybe some of you need to intentionally decide I'm going to join an organization this year that's doing good works in my city. Somehow, join it somehow. Maybe you do it by giving. Maybe you do it by literally saying I'm going to join and be a part of this effort. Whatever it looks like. Maybe you need to join an organization that's doing some really good things in our city to bring light to the city. Or maybe you need to start one. But first, before you start one, make sure there's not one that's already doing good work and just put yourself with it. Amen? Amen. That's why I have no desire to go to Ukraine and go start a work there. I know a really good guy. Right? The kingdom is really about partnership, so I'm just going to saddle up with Sergey and his crew, and we're going to go rebuild a nation. Doesn't that sound like fun? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like incredible fun. And not only can you do it in Ukraine, you can do it right here in Chambersburg, Shippensburg, Waynesboro, Hagerstown. Greencastle. We need to do this. Maybe someone needs to go on a missions trip this year. Maybe it's been in your heart, I want to go to a nation, I don't even have a passport. Do you know what a spiritual goal could be to get a passport? Because it could very well be that by the end of this year, you could be in another nation, if that's a goal of yours. Maybe we need to go to Ukraine and help set some of these houses. Help them build the, the building in between the two um, Containers, okay? How are we doing? You guys all right? Yeah, I don't care if you're all right or not. We're doing this anyway. Okay, because I love you enough to do this with you. Okay, there's spiritual goals. Please spend some time thinking about who you want to become spiritually this year. And the number one thing I would say for every one of us, let's set aside intentional time every day to spend with the Lord. Okay, secondly is family. Yeah, Family. Does that say, oh, go, go. I thought that said God, God, God. Okay. All right, family. So your family is your first church. It's your first mission field. It's your first ministry. Can we just decide that together today? If you have a family, they're your first church. Before you go try to do great things in the earth, can you make sure your home's healthy? Can you make sure your family's your marriage is healthy, your kids are healthy, your relationships inside the home are healthy, and if not, just put the pause button on what you want to do in the earth and turn your heart home. Okay? The health of my family, let's make a decision together, that the health of my family determines my launch capabilities into the earth. Let's just make that decision today, as a church, that the health of my family determines my even ability to go to work. Hello? Like seriously, if you're going to leave your house every day to go to work, wouldn't it be so much better knowing that what you're leaving is doing all right? 
Like, I can't tell you how many times we own businesses, my wife and I do, how many people's home life affects their work. Like, it is, like, for some people, they either can't get to work or while they're at work, they're just overcome with all of the struggles that are going on at home because there's not intentional attention given to building the strength of family. So let's make that our goal. The health of my family determines my launch capabilities into the city, nation, and nations. Okay, here's some practical stuff. How many parents of children that are still at home? Okay, really quick. This is something I've talked about before, but I just want to give it to you again. I actually think this even applies to people that if your children have left the home, I think it's really good. How many people remember this? Dads, quality time with daughters, quantity time with sons. Anybody remember you talking about this before? I want to bring this back up into your radar again. If you're a dad and you have daughters, they need quality time with you. They don't need quantity time with you. They need quality time with you. They need time that when they're with you, dads, they are learning what someday I want to be, I want to be married to a guy that has these qualities. They, when they spend time with you, dad, they want to see what could be in a man. You guys with me? All right. And then quantity time with sons. Dads, anytime you go somewhere, grab your son by the collar and drop him in the seat with you. Time spent, as much time spent as possible, dads with sons, because they need to know what it takes to be a man. And they need to see you in the practical every day. So dad, if you run to the store, take your son with you. Dad, if you're sitting at home doing something, make sure he's sitting there doing it with you. In other words, the best accountability is a kid sitting next to you. Hello? Better than a dad or a mom. <laughs> Have a kid sit with you and watch, you what, watch on TV what you want to watch. Nothing will make you feel more aware of what you're seeing and what you're doing than having your son with you. Hello? What comes out of your mouth? Hello? If you know your son's going to hear what's coming out of your mouth, that might cause you to think again about what you're going to say. And then, ladies, it's the exact opposite. Ladies, a lot of time with the girls. If you're in the kitchen, bring the girls in with you. Girl, if you're going to the store, do that. If you're going to work, like I know this sounds crazy, take your kids to work if you can. I mean this. Like There is a lot of flexibility in the workplace right now. Take advantage of it. Let them see what you're doing. Let them be a part of this. Have them spend time with you, ladies, because they need to know how to walk in femininity. There is a powerful femininity that comes from moms who are actively engaged in life. Girls need to be with you in that. And then your boys, just like the girl needs to be with dad, boys need to see what it's like. You get to teach a boy how to treat a lady. And do boys need to learn that? Hello? There is a problem in the earth right now where men do not know how to treat a lady. And I'm telling you, from a young age, make sure that you spend time with them and they learn it from you, Mom. Amen? All right. So that, that's just a little practical stuff. There's a lot of practical stuff in there, but hopefully you can get some goals out of that. Here's one more thing, and I've said this before, but I think this is, I don't think this is just my opinion. I actually think this is the Lord's, and I'll show you why in a minute. I think you need to bring your children into your activities more than you spend time with your kids in their activities. 
especially in the American culture, and I think this is starting to go out into the rest of the world too, we as parents think we need to give so much time to our kids' activities. Their sports, their whatever it is that they're involved in. We, like it's really important. And like it's almost like the goal of being a parent that we're at every game or we're at every performance. We're there because there's like, like there's something like that's, that's the achievement award of being a good parent that we're at everything our kid does. But does that create a good eventual adult? I, my father is always present with me wherever I go and whatever I do. But I learn to become a son or daughter of God by intentionally turning my heart to my father's activities. Can it, should it be any different with our own children? I don't know if this is good or not, but I've been walking this way where my kids were constantly brought into what Dawn and I were doing. If we were doing business, kids did it with us. Sorry, kids, you're serving people at FUDS too. Or you're going to help clean up an apartment and get it ready to re-rent next month. Or, hey, I need some help on a job this week. Anderson's coming with me. Anderson bought his own tools to work with me for two years. I'm telling you, man, I still have tools in my trailer marked AD. Now he's too busy running the restaurant now and getting A's in college. But I am telling you, I think we prepare our children better for the world and for being an impact on the world by inviting them into our activity versus us making sure that we're completely involved in theirs. And it's the same way. It trains our children to engage with our Father. It causes our, our children's hearts to turn and say, God, what are you doing in the earth? Can we join you? I'm not saying it's a bad thing for God to turn his heart and engage in our activities, but I, I think it's just long enough for him, I think he does it just so that we turn and say, whoa, God's with me. My heart is turning and burning because God's with me. What, God, what do you think we should be doing in the earth? I am so glad you asked. Let's do this. And then our heart starts to leap. It starts to get big. It starts to rise up out of our own desires, out of our own ambitions. And the ambitions and ideas and plans and purposes of God begin to flood our hearts. Again, it's my opinion, but I think God's with me in it. Hallelujah. Okay, let's move it to the third one, which is work, business, and financial. Is that okay? Can we go there? All right, so some of us have jobs, some of us have businesses, some of us, all of us, have or need money. How many people have or need money? Wave at me, wave at me. You either have or need it. If you don't have any and don't need it, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> Let's make a decision that finances equal freedom. Because for too long, finances have been a burden and a slavery and an obligation, whether it's bills or I have to go to work to make money to pay bills. And so the subject of money has not felt very spiritual to many of us, or it's always, it's just kind of like, it's always just kind of been like this thing hanging over our head. I want to tell you, I think finances are beautiful. And I think they're an incredible opportunity for the kingdom to be advanced. If we think of them not as a goal, but as a means to a goal. Hello? 
Don't think of money as an end. Like one day I'm going to have enough money to, come on, retire, take it easy, go on vacation. Like there's always some, no, don't think of it that way. Think of as I want money to free me, not obligate me, not enslave me. Okay? So how much money, no, I'm going to change the word because I, I, I want to think differently about this. Instead of how much money do I need, how much income do I need? I want you to think this way. How much income do I need to be free to do anything I want? Hello? How much income do you need to do whatever you want? It's a rhetorical question, but it's also a question I want you to ask yourself as you're thinking about financial goals. How much regular income do you need? Don't think of it as a lump sum of money. Once I have a million dollars in the bank account, then I'll be free to do whatever I want. No, you won't. Because it's a fixed amount. You have to turn th think, start thinking of money as currency. It's moving. It's constantly moving. It's constantly flowing. And it has to flow in, and then it flows back out. It's not a fixed amount. If it's a fixed amount, I promise you, it's losing value for you. So evaluate where you are. When you're coming up with your financial goals, evaluate where you are currently. Think about all your assets. How many people know what a definition of an asset is? Okay. Got three hands up in the air that know what an asset is. Four. Okay. Really quick. Is your home an asset? Andy, is your personal home an asset? It can be. What's the, what's the reason why it couldn't be? If you owe? What's that thing? If I owe, I owe. It's off to work, I, I go. <laughs> Many people will tell you that your personal home is not an asset because it costs you money. Technically, the definition of an asset is something that you hold that produces ongoing income for you. If you define it that way, things change for you, okay? So come together, whether you're married or not, if you're single or not, and look at what you have as an asset to you. You are not an asset. You can think of it that way, because then you have to go to work every day to make money. Mark, I have to go to work every day to make money. Technically, that is a slave mentality. Oh, man, I'm fighting. I am fighting some mindsets right now. There is a beautiful place where you don't have to be your main asset that produces income. I want you to know that. You, your best worker for money is your money. Your money never complains. Your money doesn't need a vacation. Your money doesn't need a weekend off. Your money doesn't get hurt and go on unemployment or workman's compensation. Your money is by far the best worker you have. It is better than you. As faithful as you are, as skilled as you are, as hardworking as you are, your money works harder. Your money works better. 
If we can start thinking in terms of how money makes money, even if it's a penny, we've talked about the seed principle before here, and I hope you guys remember this or not. Seed sown. Think of your money as seed sown. When a seed goes into the ground, does it bring back one seed? Jesus taught this. When a seed goes into the ground, how much does it return? 30, 60, 100 fold. Even Moses in the Old Testament talked about a thousand fold return. God, your money can do this for you. Even if it's small amounts, decide together today that the money that you currently have, not all of it is meant to be spent on expenses. Decide some amount of it, even if it's a real sliver of the full amount you have, I'm going to sow it so it can begin to produce more money for me. That's the beginning of a pure and true financial future for you. Think in terms of increasing income first before you think in terms of decreasing expenses. Okay? When you think of financial goals, think of how can I increase income? The human being was not designed to constrict and decrease. The human being was designed by God to be abundant and to increase and to grow. Believe it or not, when you, when you line up your financial goals with abundance and increase, not, so many times when we like do budgets or we do some kind of financial planning, we always look at our budget and think where we can cut, save money. And I feel like the wisest among us say, how do we open up the funnel at the top bigger? The wisest among us think of creative ways to open the funnel. And then in that moment, when you have more money coming in than you used to have coming in, then, it, then you start to value it differently and Cutting here and cutting there makes sense because you have a view of the value of the finances that are coming into your funnel. There is wisdom in this, and I hope you can hear this, okay? So think in terms of increasing income first and decreasing income, uh, sorry, decreasing expenses second. Uh, something else is some of us have a goal to decrease debt. This is something uh, uh, Dave Ramsey has taught for years. How many people have heard the snowball effect? Really powerful principle. Start with a really small debt and knock it out. Start with your smallest debt you have and kill it. Like kill it in the next 60 days. Do whatever you got to do and then take that money and apply it to the next biggest debt. And then do the same thing. And you snowball it. And you start, don't think of the biggest one. Think of the smallest one. Okay? Think that way. And then you start to increase your ability to knock out debt. Okay? And then I talked about this already, but I want you to think in terms of what your money can do for you more than what you can do for you. The smartest people with money are not thinking about how they can get a second job to make more money. The wisest financial people are looking at the money they are currently bringing in and determining how that money can make them more. That's the wisest among us. If you go ask rich people, like if you're a poor person, and you were to sit down with a rich person, they would not tell you, go get a second job. They would not tell you, these are all the places you need to cut. They would first talk to you about how your current income can be used to create more. That is how a rich person thinks. Rich person thinks about what they currently have, how they can make more with it. How many people know that the parable of the, the talents? How many people remember that parable? 
in the Bible. Some had, some were given five, some were given three, some were given, or one was given one. You guys remember that, right? And at the end of it, what was the end of it? The guy that had five got five more. The guy who was given three gave three more. The guy who had one, because he was thinking, oh my gosh, I only have one, I got to protect it. And that's how many of us think. We think we only have a little, so we have to protect it. And those, the man who gave the five, the three, and the one, he, he rewarded and he honored and he said, you're going to be actually worth, or you're going to have the authority over many cities because you were wise with your money. Like this goal right here, this section of goals called finances can actually determine our ability to do great things in our city and in the nations of the earth. The Spirit of the Lord is at work in these areas of your life. And you're thinking, one area of your life, how would this particular area of my life, like finances, have anything to do with the kingdom of God? What we do and how we live here, how we think in terms of abundance in finances will turn, and that same mindset impacts how we advance the kingdom of God here. Here's how I want to tell you. If you only think in terms of decrease and cutting in finances, that is how you think about the kingdom impact you have. Oh, well, if I want to be more of a kingdom impact person, I have to cut and I have to save. And it's the opposite. The kingdom of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. The increase of the kingdom of God is continuing to increase. It does not think in terms of decrease. Here's one way that I know I'm going past my time, and I'm sorry. Dads can get this way. Okay, so... If I only think in terms of decreasing and cutting when it comes to finances, then I'm going to come over here to my spiritual life and I'm going to think the only way I can become more holy is to stop sinning. Has anybody gotten successful at stopping sinning by constantly focusing on stop sinning? I just need to make sure I'm in the right room. That has never helped me at all. But what I do is I turn to the one who has never sinned. And I let that light flood into me. When your finances, you need to think like someone that's never been poor. You need to think like someone that's never had decrease or had failure or had loss. You need to think in terms of when I'm in the light, I only think about the light and sin decreases in my life. Same way with finances. Think like someone who is wise with money. And I promise you, you will start to see all the holes that are in your purse get sewn up without even trying. Because instead of thinking of where I can cut, where I can save, where I can do differently, I think with abundance. I'm telling you it works. Please trust my heart on this. It works in finances. Okay, physical health. All right, I gotta finish really quick. I know I'm late. Remove everything that hinders who we know he created us to be. So you add nutrients to your life. We talked about it spiritually, now let's talk about it physically. Guys, let's be honest. You know the foods you need to be eating. Hello? Look around the room. You know what you need to be eating, but you know what you crave. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I know what I crave. I could list the things to you really quick that I crave. And so this is what I'll say to you. I, I have learned, and this worked in my life, I'm probably four or five pounds heavier than I want to be right now, but for the most part, I'm where I want to be. Some of you are looking at me like, shut the hell up. But anyway, <laughs> moderation in all things. I'm even saying moderation in how much green you take in. 
Because it'll make you unhappy if you take too much greens. Like, if you're just only eating salad, like, you just cannot be a happy person. I don't think you can be a happy person <laughs> if all you eat is greens. It's my personal opinion. So, so I'm going to talk to you really clearly about this. For some of us, we need to limit what we crave. So I'm going to be really point blank with you. Some of you, you drink too much. And it's hurting you, not just physically, but it's hurting you emotionally and mentally, spiritually. It's hurting your relationships. It's hurting your ability to, to think creatively about money. To all of you who know you drink too much, limit it to one or two once a week. I know too many men specifically that every time they come home from work, they have to have a couple drinks. Guys, I need you to know, just from a worldly standpoint, that's alcoholism. At any point in time where you have to drink regularly, you're a slave to it. There is no area of your life you should be a slave, including this area of your life. And I'll even go to me now. Okay, my weakness is dessert. I love me some dessert. Like I, I used to just eat dinner so I could have it. In fact, that's how I was raised. Anybody else? If you don't clear your pate, you can't have dessert. That's how I was raised. And now I'm like, I can only have dessert once or twice a week. I remember the first time I heard like some workout person say that, I thought they were the craziest person that ever spoke verbal words. I'm like, dessert once a week? Like, what is that? That's like no joy. Now I'm like, I get it. So, like, I work, you know, I work physically, and then I work in my diet and all that, so that once or twice a week I can have the ice cream or the nice cake or something like that. Guys, I'm telling you, it's good for you. It really is good for you. So let's limit the sweets. For someone else, it might be chips or something salt. It's either salty or sweet, let's be honest. I could go around the room and have, who's the salty person, and they'll raise their hand. Who's the sweet person, and then they'll raise their hand. And some, one of you is one of those. Or you're both. Then, yeah, then you know this message is for you. And so if you know that you just cannot stop, now this is one of the things I would suggest. If you know that there's one particular area physically from a diet standpoint that you're really, just, you better make sure that if you're eating a lot, you better be exercising a lot. Like for some people who are exercising a lot or have really strong physical jobs, you need to eat. Now some of you are still in the, I need to eat, but I stopped doing physical labor 10 years ago. But you got in that pattern. Like if you're in a sedentary job where you go behind that computer and you work all day long, I'm sorry, you can't eat like you did back when you had the physical labor job. You cannot. And on top of that, age also plays a factor. Like if you're, if you've got like a four or a five or a six and then a zero after that, you can't just eat whatever you want anymore. Sadness. <laughs> right? Okay, so if I'm stressed, I eat more dessert. Is that what you're trying to say? Or... There you go. Irregardless, all I'm trying to tell you is, if you want to, in, if you want to intake a lot of intake, like if you think, hey, Mark, I, I struggle with the abundance mindset in finances. I got no problem with the abundance mindset in food. Like I, I, I get that. Then apply that to finances. 
Like take that mindset about I want to take in more and just ask the Lord to give you that over here. Like the Lord will do that with you. And But if you are a person that needs to eat a lot, then you better get up and get moving. Hello? Like for some of you, you need to get, just make it one of your goals. I'm going to get up and I'm going to move every day. I'm going to get up, I'm going to walk, I'm going to get up and I'm going to, not many of us can run anymore, but if you can run, go run. Vicki, just more, just more. All right, last one and I'm going to finish up. I know I'm late. Thank you for your patience with me, but I need to get through this. Mental, emotional health. I think you need to make it a goal in your life this year to bring more peace, joy, and fulfillment to your life. Peace, joy, and fulfillment. I think those three are absolutely vital for a healthy human mind and soul. Engage in practices that quiet your soul without numbing them. Hello? You want to practice quieting your soul without numbing it. Like, I'm going to tell you something. You know, some TV show or some whatever that you listen to or watch, that's numbing you more than it's quieting you. You guys with me? Some of us work really hard, and then at the end of the day, we just need to veg out. Anybody ever feel that way? That's a very dangerous place for the human being to be. Okay? Instead of vegging out, do something that quiets your soul, that brings peace to your soul. Read, listen, read books or listen to audio books, play music in the background quietly. I, I mean, my wife is hilarious. So what, what is that station you listen to now on Spotify? Calming instrumental covers. Okay, covers. So it's like songs she knows, but they don't sing. They just like play the piano or play the guitar quietly in the background. And it's so funny, like Megan will say, hey mom, turn on the radio. And it, she turns on her Spotify and it's and, but I will tell you, within minutes there's peace. Guys, do whatever it takes to establish peace in your lives. From a place of peace in your life, you can think clearer. From a place of peace in your life, you can think the thoughts of God. From a place of peace in your life, you can evaluate your relationships effectively. From a place of peace in your life, you can think about finances accurately. If you don't have peace, I promise you, your finances will be in havoc. Think in terms of joy. Like, guys, I think we need to be regularly engaged in environments or with people that make us laugh. Like, I think we need to laugh a little bit more. I really do. Okay? Laugh more. Have pure joy that comes out. It's literal medicine to our soul, the Bible says. Laughter is medicine. It is good for you. If you're constantly around people and around uh, voices and influences and media that makes you angry, that makes you frustrated, that makes you stressed, that makes you anxious, it is sickness to your soul. So look for things that bring joy. And then finally, fulfillment. And for me, fulfillment has always been connected to engagement. Like I need to be engaged in fulfilling activity. I think it brings us back up to the spiritual one. Like some of my spiritual goals that I have of being engaged in kingdom activity in the earth, serving people, loving people, opening my life to people, fulfills something in me that nothing else can do. Last thing, and I'm going to leave it at this. 
they call it a bag, B-H-A-G. Has anybody ever heard of this? A big, hairy, audacious goal? Okay, a bag, or BHAG. Big, hairy, audacious goal. Like, think of the hairiest person you know. I'm looking around the room for a hairy person, but I, like Charlie's beard. Just think of Charlie's beard every time you think about this goal. Like, that would be my facial hair goal right there. Look at that thing. It's there, right in front of you all the time. Every one of these areas have one of those big, hairy, audacious goals. So like the kids today, when they prayed over Sergey, they just said, just give him all the money for all 4,000 homes that are needed to be built yet. Sergey, I promise you, was thinking, how many other organizations can we partner with to do those 4,000 homes? And the kid just walks up and prays, give him the money for all 4,000 homes. Right? That's exactly what a BHAG goal should do for you. Oh my God. So in every one of those areas, have a big, hairy, audacious goal. Just something that sounds crazy to you on February 19th in 2023. Put one in there that sounds insane. And then in December, I want to ask you how your BHAG is. In every area of your life. Like, seriously, okay, like I'm thinking about Mike Lynn right now physically. Like, Mike Lynn literally had his chest open last month. What would be a BHAG goal for someone who just had open heart surgery? Oh, I already have goals. Well, what is it? Give me one. I want to start running, and I want to run and race by May. All right, someone who was literally laying on a table with their chest open wants to run a race by May. You guys hear this? Yes, by May. Does anybody else feel like a slacker right now? I just need to know if I'm the only one in the room. Yeah, right, by May. He's not even talking about December. Like, that's a big, hairy, audacious goal for someone. What is it for you? No, you weren't laying on an operating table last month, but there's something else going on. Maybe your finances, like, they need resuscitated. Like, But by the end of this year, could you have this big, hairy, audacious goal financially? Or maybe this particular relationship in my life, like we don't even talk to each other right now, but by the end of this year, do something that just right now feels completely out of sync with your current reality. You can't even see the steps toward it. Write it down. Believe for it. Amen? I bless each and every one that's had the patience to listen to this today. The faith to write goals to believe that you, God, your spirit, spirit of wisdom is involved in them. Inspire us that we might be everything you created us to be this year. May we walk this year as the person that if we hadn't done goals, we wouldn't be in 10 years. May we fast forward who we would have been in 10 years without these goals into this year becoming everything you thought about us to be. Father, may the kingdom of God, which is the realm of heaven on earth, come through our lives through these goals this year. I bless you to think and believe this way about yourself. Have a vision. I bless you with a vision of who God sees you to be at the end of this year. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Love you guys. Don't forget about uh, the Ukraine giving. Uh, we're going to put that back up on the screen as we leave. You want to scan that and go there? Otherwise, the, the thing's still here.
Okay, so Diane just put a post up on Facebook about this mobilizing for Ukraine. If you're a Facebook friend of ours and you see that post, would you share it onto your newsfeed, please? Thank you. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.